Welcome back, y'all, to episode 184 of the Zachary Wingate Podcast, where we go 365 days bringing you a podcast every single day. Nothing is off the table. The intention of this podcast is to master the short-form podcast as well informing as well as entertaining. So sit back, relax, and listen, and enjoy the show. You know, whenever we think about... um kind of the police in America and the beginning of forensic evidence, you know, we really take a lot of it for granted. I think kind of looking at how um, the police within the United States, crime and all those things have really been a process of many ways, but understanding how the birth of policing started in the United States, how forensics have been used, and then what is it doing in current day situations? Um, today with in this episode, I'm going to go over kind of the history of the police force within the United States, the introduction of forensic evidence, how it's been used, why it's been used, and then kind of looking at the impact of cell phone data, focusing on this case with the Murdochs. Um, this case is crazy to me and today had some pretty big findings of it and revealing of some potential data via Snapchat. So I'm going to go ahead and get into all that. So let's go. So the reason why I want to bring up kind of the birth of police is because policing in itself, you think about, oh, it's been around since the beginning of time. Not true. You know, and we use kind of a European aspect of it to determine police. And we kind of think about the most early modern police was actually within Paris in 1667. And, you know, it was used just for within the city and it was a representation of King Louis. So if you can kind of think about it as a representation of it, but it was also considered to be called the King's Men. And then we kind of jump into history and, and we get to a point where the modern police force really starts to take hold around 1858. And this is kind of being introduced and used as a form within England to kind of start the process of a fingerprint. So you have this from Sir William um, Haskell creating this and using it. So simultaneously or a little bit later within the United States, you do have kind of the birth of some policing. And a lot of, within the South, within the Carolinas, you have the you have policing of people kind of starting as a modern-day approach for slave patrol. So around the 1700s, you kind of have this, this use of police force, quote-unquote, being used to track down, monitor, and um, arrest, or I shouldn't say arrest, but obtain slaves um I guess unlawfully, you know, obviously, but it's really interesting how, you know, in a lot of times within the Carolinas, you have the birthplace of it. Well, within the within more in the north, you have um, a situation coming within the police department around 1844, and you have the police department being created as we know today. So the New York Police Department is one of the oldest police departments, and after that, which soon followed, was New Orleans. Cincinnati, Boston, Chicago. So really building the police force from a metropolitan area. So much so that even people like Thomas Roosevelt, 
I'm sorry, Theodore Roosevelt, was actually one of the police commissioners for the New York Police Department. And it's rumored that during this time, he would go out at night dressed in all black and try to catch potential police force not paying attention, being drunk, and not really doing what they need to do. So he kind of created a the substantial police force. And this was obviously identified as he created and added the entrance entrance exam, which allowed for 600, I'm sorry, 1600 police officers to be created within the New York PD. And you also have stories during this time too, that a lot of the police force were called night watchmen. And as a result of night watchmen, if they got in trouble within the community, if they had a bad reputation or they kept creating problems, a lot of them were actually formed and put on the night watchmen in order to obey and watch, you know, the neighborhood. And also a lot of rich, rich um, individuals within the police, within areas would rent out bodyguards to play, to pay for police forces. And as we kind of look at it, you know, that's kind of how the birth of the police department started originating within New York. Up to this time prior, there was multiple different groups and bands, but it wasn't anything super consistent. So now we kind of get to a point where I was where I was just trying to give some top context, but understand how the fingerprint came to be. So originally within uh, England and London, you you what they originally were doing were trying to take pictures of people's faces and hold them within databases. And using this was the way that they're going to track criminals. Well, what they come to determine is that the fingerprint was a lot easier way to track criminals because each individual has their own unique fingerprint. And the fingerprint goes back to kind of the, you know, the fingerprint was originally created and used by the Chinese. So it's really interesting how modern day kind of utilized what the Chinese had already been doing, not necessarily for criminal activity, but a way to track criminals. And we kind of think about the first serial killer within the modern age, and that was Jack the Ripper in 1888 in England, who is still at large and never was caught. Multiple theories about that. Now, what's interesting is the United States used the fingerprint in February 1st, 1911, to try the first murder case. And it was kind of the the, the beginning, if you will, of using forensics as a way to track murderers. If we look at some more modern data, even now we kind of look at what happened in 1865 and how presumably the murder clearance rate was 91% in 1865. And by 2017, that has dropped to about 61%, one of the lowest murder clear rates within the world. But we don't know what kind of impacted this data because 40% of mergers getting away with it, probably a lot of wrongful accusing. But really, it's understanding how the police force had has utilized the importance of data analysis using forensic tools. Now, up to the point of the fingerprint, the most important thing you could ever have was an eyewitness. An eyewitness is really what's going to solve the case. Forensics were created as a lack of eyewitnesses. So if you can kind of think about how the OJ case, for an example, how it was over a peer of, of, of jurors who determined OJ was not guilty, 
you know, we really look at the fact that we try to put together all the evidence in a way, but there was no real evidence to market from a potential eyewitness. So eyewitnesses have really changed it. And that's kind of we go in and start to bring in and use um, more tools like this. Now, what's really interesting about the case today that I wanted to talk about is whenever we go into this Murdoch case, let me tell you, it's really, really bizarre, you know, kind of looking at the different ways of it. And if you're not familiar with it, I'll go ahead and lay it out. So the Murdochs were a family in South Carolina. You had Maggie, the mother, you had Alex, the father, and you had Paul. And then you have another son named Richard Buster, the Murdoch murder case, say that five times fast. So the story is just something that is just so crazy whenever you look into it. So apparently Alex Murdoch, the father, also known as Richard, had a lot of issues with his money. Apparently he was going through some economic problems, to say the least. He was being tried and considered potentially to sell drugs. And there was a lot of issues within his um, his life. And his wife, Maggie, and him were having a lot of problems in June of 2001. And as a result of this, Maggie was actually staying at their beach home. So on the night of the murder, it was really suspicious how a lot of things were taking place. So if you look at it from this context, um, Mr. Murdoch called his wife to come in because his father was on his deathbed. And he wanted his wife to come in and kind of support him and give his last goodbyes to his father, even though they were kind of in and out of a relationship, potentially on the fringe of a divorce. So what you have is she goes and she meets him. She also texts her friend that it seems like it was a bit unusual, but obviously she wasn't thinking that there'd be any murder or anything like that. So she gets to their place, um, which is a 3.9 million mansion. It's huge. It's roughly 1,700 acres. And her son, Paul, is there. Now, her son, Paul, is watching their friend's dog, and the dog is actually staying in the kennel. So this is where the murder takes place. So as Paul is putting the dog into the kennel, Maggie is there interacting with her son. So this was happening around the evening. So you can think about maybe 940, there's proof of them interacting. And by 950, they both were shot and killed. Now, when you look at the evidence of the case, Paul had a shotgun shot directly to his chest. Maggie was shot five times. Okay, so within this you have the father, Alex, not knowing, claiming not to know, said that he was actually at his home far away from the kennel, which remember it's on 1700 acres. And he was going, he was staying at his house, playing on his phone, watching TV, and then going to his mom's house. And what he says is while he was at his mom's house, there's proof that he was calling Maggie and texting Paul. So, as he got back, then he found out, and he was the eyewitness who found them two dead and called the police. And then that's kind of where the case went, and he gave his testimony, and there's a lot of allegations about it. Clearly, it looks really, really suspicious. And 
there's currently a case going on in South Carolina about it. I don't know if you guys are keeping track of it, you know, but what's really interesting is today what you have for the first time is how the son Paul has been able. So the son who was shot, Paul, was actually recording back at the dog kennel and he was recording for a Snapchat video, which teenagers use a lot of Snapchat these days. Now, he videoed this like kind of interesting recording of him recording the dog in the kennel, and that's all you see. And he has the dog in one hand and the phone in the other, and the dogs move around and barking. Now, what's so crazy about this is you actually hear, okay, the mom, Maggie, talking about the dog, and you hear a third voice. This third voice is believed to be Alex. Murdoch, the father, and puts him at the scene of the crime at 940, and they were actually killed at 950. So it's kind of giving this new kind of uh, this new timeline of what potentially could happen because there are three voices. I've seen the video. Okay. And this might be kind of the 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 hair that breaks the camel back, if you will. Now, whenever you look at this, what I thought was so interesting is how the forensics and the use of cell phones have completely changed the way cases are solved. I mean, we think about in 1911 using the first fingerprint and how fingerprints have been used. But now we're living in a whole different time period where your cell phone is the biggest tracker, the data absorber, the time thing you can't beat. There's been a lot of people trying to beat and get over the data. You look at how the murder, bind, torture, kill, NBK was caught in Louise. I'm sorry, caught in Kansas City. It's because he got kind of he got careless and he was caught. Then you look at this Idaho murder case where they could determine that the cell phone was actually pinging off the victim's Wi-Fi. They got so close. So. What we're looking at is the cell phone is the new forensic fingerprint and it's placing people either at the crime, recording through apps, social media calls and text. And Snapchat could potentially be the thing of an unrecorded video that they were able to obtain from the son Paul to place Mr. Murdoch, Alex, at the crime scene. And this potentially could what's do away with him. Now, when you look at this, it kind of indicates we are living in a whole different world. A hundred years ago, we were using the fingerprint and now cell phone from a Snapchat app could potentially put them away. That's all I have for tonight. Thank you for listening and we'll get back to you tomorrow.